You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. We are uh, in our happy series. This is the last day we're going to conclude this series. And uh, if you missed last week, the podcast will be up this week. It was great. My wife came up and she dropped some fire. And uh, it was beautiful. And this is the fourth part of this series. And I want to finish today in this series talking about happiness and second chances. We believe, we started this series because we believe that we are meant to live, to live happy. And I've said this here before, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a result of your relationship with God flourishing and, and of your life flourishing and going where it's meant to go. And uh, we believe there are principles that you can apply, things that you can do found in the Scripture that if you live by those principles, you will find happiness you will find enduring happiness in your life. And one of these principles that we find in Scripture is the ability to have a second chance, to have a new beginning, to start a new day with a new mindset. So if you're here this morning and you are a high school or college student or you are a retired person, you might feel like most of your life is ahead of you or maybe you feel like your glory days are behind you, that you're not going to hit the glory days any longer. Maybe you have failed in the past, or maybe you feel like your success is in the past. Let me speak faith into you and say that this is a new day. This is a day where you can dream again. This is a new year. This is a new month. It's a time where you can set your foot on the rock of Jesus, and you can place your faith in God, knowing that your days ahead are better than your days behind you. It's a time for new beginnings. It's a time for second chances. And one of the greatest benefits, I believe, of uh, having a relationship with God through Jesus is this idea of newness of life. This idea that we receive from Jesus of newness of life. And we find in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, a great description that Paul writes. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, Paul uses this illustration of our actual body being buried and risen again to explain this principle that in Jesus we get a do-over. In Jesus, we get to learn to be human again. We get to learn to have a life again that is the life that God designed for you. So if you're here this morning and maybe you've experienced life in a way that was not positive, you have, you have experienced life in a way that has put some boundaries, some limits in your thinking, some limitations in your view for your future, I got to speak life into you and let this sink in in your heart. You can walk into newness of life. You can live this reality. Now, the process, this process, and the implications of, of this idea was brand new to the apostles. This is something that he is teaching for the first time in this new generation. Because in their reality, in the religious culture that Jesus entered, 
There was specific ways that you could deal with the sin and evil in mankind. God could forgive it through atonement. There, there was punishment that they, they would give through the law. And you were encouraged to subdue it, right? We, we read passages in the Old Testament where God, especially one specific one is when Cain kills his brother, God comes to him and says before it, he says, sin is, is knocking at your door, and, but you have to subdue it. So those were one of the principles that they had. But all they had was you either subdue sin, you suffer the punishments of sin, or you receive forgiveness and atonement. But you had to live with that in your life. Now Jesus arrives bringing something completely new, a brand new idea to deal with the past and to deal with this fallen nature of humankind. And he comes in introducing this idea that is is new and unthinkable even to the most open-minded Jewish leaders. We find an encounter in the book of John chapter 3 where Jesus meets uh, an authority, a Pharisee, someone who was a scholar in the Jewish law, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night to give Jesus a pat in the back. He's an authority figure who basically can validate what is of God and what is not of God according to Jewish law. And he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night not to be seen with Jesus, but he's intrigued. He's intrigued by Jesus. There's something about Jesus that he knows is of God. So he comes to Jesus and he says this, Rabbi, he, this is a term of honor. So he begins with, with an endearing term toward Jesus. He says, we know you are a teacher come from God. We, meaning the religious community, the leaders, we, we understand that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do this, these signs that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus gives him an answer that makes me believe Jesus was from the Northeast. Maybe he was a Yankee. Because Jesus looks back at Nicodemus. He doesn't say thank you. There's no bless your heart or nothing southern about this approach. He just looks back at Nicodemus and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now think about that. This man comes validating Jesus. But here's the thing. He is validating Jesus according to his own belief system. He's validating Jesus according to his own set of priorities and his own view of God. Have you ever met somebody like that? They look at you from the outside. They can't quite comprehend what's going on. And they say, I see it. I think it's good. I, I used to work with a guy uh, that he would come in the office sporadically. And he was intrigued by my faith. He was intrigued by me being a Christian and he was intrigued by our church. I used to be a part of a large church in the city, and it was well known. He was intrigued by the whole thing. So one day I remember he got in the office and he said, I read a book last night about your guy, Jesus. <laughs> I go, all right. And uh, what you got? And he said, oh, he was a good guy. I was like, oh, thank you. I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> he was a good guy. Listen, this, this is my thing. I think he was a prophet. He was good. He had a lot of good things to say. And now I understand. I, I, get, I get why you guys, you know, the, his message is for the people that need it. People that are going through stuff. And, yeah, it's not for me, though. It, and I wish this would be a story where I could come in here and tell you. But then a year later, 
he went through something. And, but no, I lost contact with him. I have no idea what happened with him. And he was, he's kind of like Nicodemus. Like he's coming in to Jesus and he's saying, Jesus, we know that you came from God because there's something about you that's godly. And so nothing, nobody can do the things you do unless he comes from God. And Jesus just looks at him and says, Nicodemus, the reason why you can't see what's really going on is because you are blinded to it. You need to be born again. You need to be born again to see what's going on. There's something else in pl taking place right here. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not just me being this unique figure, walking the earth, living a life that nobody else is going to live with a special talent and just presenting this talent around. There's something much bigger going on that you can see if you are born again. And this idea of being born again is what Jesus introduces for the first time when he starts his ministry. Now, let me, let me do a disclaimer here. For some of you, when you hear the sentence or the, the phrase born again, you might cringe a little bit. Because for you, born again is associated with cheesy bumper stickers and t-shirts that turn Facebook into Facebook or the logo of the show Glee saying glad, right? Or Coca-Cola written like Jesus Christ, right? Or maybe you, you go back to bands of the 80s and the 90s, Christian bands, and you're probably thinking, JD, if you're going to talk about being born again, you can do that, but I'm not switching from Netflix to Pure Flix. I'm not doing that. And if this has been your your purview of being born again, if what you think being born again is the facade that you put out there, I'm sorry, you've been misled. Because being born, I'm all for your taking care of what gets in your heart. I'm all for you uh, uh, feeding your soul good things so you can get closer to God. But being born again is more about what comes into your heart than the facade that you try to paint so that it matches some type of Christian description. It's not about the Christian industry that does exist and it's out there. It's about your heart. And it's about this. It's about understanding that Jesus' life is not a unique, one-of-a-kind life that is distant. That I, I, I can look at and think, oh, this is something to be revered, something to be observed. But I can never, can never take part in that. No, being born again is when that life, that amazing life, enters your heart. And it becomes alive in you. And because of his life, now you have his hope. Because of his life in you, you have his love. Because of his life in you, you are restored. You are born again into a new mind, a new thought process, new faith, a new outlook, a new future. And it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter your past, what you've, what you've gone through. What matters is that God is taking you into a new life, into a new future that is brighter, that is bigger, and that is his plan for you. Yeah, you can clap for that. Now, for many of us, one of the reasons why we like the new year, one of the reasons why we enjoy flipping the page and starting a new reality is because of this idea that you can start again. There's a hope that you can just, you can cut what was bad and start new again. 
Now, for you to live happy, for you to enjoy this enduring happiness found in God, you need to understand that there, it's, it's being born again or walking in newness of life does not mean that you're trying to make something bad good. It means that you are done with what's bad, and there's something new that is born within. You're not struggling to get that bad thing and turn that into good. You're saying, God, I'm crucifying this with you, Jesus. I'm laying this at your feet, and I'm grabbing a hold of this new life, this new life that's in my heart. Peter put it this way. Peter wrote two letters, First and Second Peter. It's found in the New Testament. And he started his first letter talking about being born. I encourage you to read it, the first chapter of First Peter. He just goes the whole chapter talking about being born again. And then he starts, the second chapter, it starts with this text. It says, so put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, there's something about this passage that every parent here understands. If you're a parent, if you're an older sibling, and you remember your younger sibling being a baby, or if you take care of babies, you understand that none of these categories that he lists can be applied to a baby. You cannot look at a baby and think, oh, that's the slanderous child right there. Look at that little baby full of deceit and envy. Now, these are not things that you describe a brand new baby. You don't, you don't describe that, that, that child in that light. Now, if you've had a baby, it might turn up some of those feelings in you, you know, especially when that child is crying at three in the morning and won't stop. Someone in the house might become slanderous, <laughs> but not the baby. Now, it's interesting that, that Peter brings up this analogy, this idea of being like a baby, meaning you are not feeding yourself the Word of God, feeding yourself what God is speaking about you, putting the things that God is ministering to you in a soil that has been ruined by all that stuff. So he says you got to put that away, put that aside, let it die, and when you receive what God has for you, you receive it like a baby, meaning your mind is open. You receive with a blank slate. You're not comparing what God is telling you and what he's speaking into your life to your past. You're not basing it on your past deceptions, but you're giving your faith a new try, a new outlook, a new ability to look at what God is putting in your heart and saying, it has nothing to do with my ability or what I've done in the past. It has to do with where I am right now. And if anything that was in my past could ruin this, God will redeem it and use it for my good. He's going to turn those things into good. And from now on, I'm going to receive what he has for me like a baby. Now, I think it's interesting, too, that what he says there is that the first qualification for you to be able to receive this pure milk, this pure nourishment from God is that you need to taste that he is good, that God is good. And this is a big, big deal. You have to understand at the beginning, at the foundation of your faith, that God is good, that he is for you. And to do that, we have to put away all the malice, all the deceit, all the hypocrisy, all the envy. Now, I know this. Some of you 
Some of us, I'm included, we've probably all been guilty of at, at least one of those at some point in our life. At least one time we've been hypocrite or we've, we've felt envy. Or at, or at least one time we've been victims of those things, those categories. And you can attest to this, as I can, that none of those categories will add to your happiness. Never seen a, a, a happy hypocrite, have you? Have you seen a joyful deceiver? Huh? Have, you, have you seen like a prancing, envious person just happy that he's so envious of you? Or no. You, you, th these things do not add to your happiness. And perhaps you're here today and, and your life has been surrounded by it. Or maybe this is what may be holding you back. These things that try to make their way into your life might be holding you back to receive this newness of life that God has for you. And I want to encourage you today, right here. It's January 22nd. Still counts as the new year. It's your time for a do-over. It's your time for a new beginning. It's your time to make 2017 a year where you're not going to repeat the patterns of the past. You're not going to repeat the patterns that got you into trouble. But you're going to continue your life, walking into newness of life, believing that what God has for you will come to pass. And it will. It will because he is for you. You can, too, be born again into that life and taste that the Lord is good. Now, I'm going to close with three ideas that this new creation, this new newness of life uh, does to you. One is something that we've already mentioned here in the past. And uh, it's something that we like to remind you every single time. Is that once you've received this new life from God, you are free to let go of the past. You can let go of those things that are still trying to hold you back. You can completely let go of it and embrace a new kind of life. Because he has given you a new kind of life. Before God, you had no option. That's the only life you had. That's the only paradigm you had. That's the only perspective you had. It's the perspective of this world that, that you receive. But with God, there's a new light, a new life in your heart. And you are free to embrace the new and let go of the old. You are free to embrace this new life and let go of what once was holding you back. The second thing is that you are free from sin, from what we mentioned in the beginning of this message. This nature of sin, you're completely free from it. Jesus did not cover your sins. He took away your sins. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in Jesus, you are free from it. Which means that those things that maybe were holding you back, those things that come in a lie form and try to tell you that you are not strong enough to defeat, that you are not strong enough to rise above, those things are at the cross. They have been taken away from you, and you can walk in freedom, complete freedom. Freedom of sin and also freedom of condemnation. Freedom of guilt. Freedom of any of those weights from the past. And I truly believe that for you to have enduring happiness, you got to be able to let go immediately. Which means that in this process of, as, as this new life is being nourished, and this new reality, and as you're letting go of this old life, and you're crucifying this old life, there is a process where these negative thoughts will come and try to tell you, no, 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 you belong to that reality. That's where you're from, that's who you are, and that's where you belong. Those are lies. You can say, no, I am done with that. I belong here. 
in God's presence. I belong here in his reality for my life. I belong here in joy, in happiness, in peace, in hope, in faith. This is where I belong because this is what God made me for. And that's true of every single one of you. You were made for the reality that God created you for. That's why it feels right when you're in God's presence, even though you may not understand it. It just feels right. It agrees with you when you are in his presence. And the third thing and final thing, which is very important. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's my last passage for today. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is why restoration is important. Because when you experience life, when you go through things, and it starts early nowadays, there are certain portions of your life, of your faith, of your makeup that start to become calloused. You become to get desensitized. You begin to lose your feelings in certain parts of your life that you were meant to experience in fullness. And for some people, that's why they cannot even conceive the idea of having an abundant life. Because in that reality, they have been so calloused by life and past experiences that their, 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 their ability to even sense what God has for them has been lost. And this is important because in this new creation, God resets your thresholds. For some people, they've been lonely for so long, they, can, they cannot, cannot even conceive companionship, friendship, or even a future relationship because they've been hurt or been lonely. For some people, they have been in sadness or spiritual poverty for so long. They can't conceive happiness. Full joy and happiness to them is so far-fetched. It's so out of reach because for so long, life has desensitized them for the ability, the, 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 even the, the hope to get to fullness of joy. Spiritually, been so poor they cannot conceive a life in harmony with others and in harmony with God. And I believe that this is the year where God will, is going to reset some of those thresholds. And you'll be able to sense again His presence. You'll be able to be filled again with His love. Be filled again with hope. And have your faith fully able, not only to forget the past, but to embrace a bright future. Embrace this new creation. Did you receive it this morning? Amen.